Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 39 of DM Discussions, the podcast for players and DMs alike, where we cover a wide variety of topics to help you with your games. I'm your host, Ryan Reeder, and with me, as always, is my patron, Ben Bumhoffer. I'm your patron? Yes. Oh, you shouldn't give me that power. Oh, okay. Let's see. How can I possibly screw you over in the future? Doesn't matter. I got, I can do dope stuff. Okay, cool. Eldritch <laughs> Blast. There. Eldritch Blast. <laughs> Eldritch Blast. <laughs> if you haven't figured out by now, we're going to be talking about warlocks. What? I thought yes. that we just had, you know, some sort of, you know, uh, extra planar deal going on. But, uh, well, I guess I can see where you're going. That's, that that's just a side thing. Oh, okay. Just well, good. Good. Yeah. I expect payment sometime soon, by the way. Anyways. Anyways. Um, <laughs> hey, Ryan, how's it going? I feel like we haven't talked in forever. Uh, it feels like this last week has been a month. <laughs> yes, definitely. Uh, have you ever seen the movie The Jerk? I, I haven't. Okay, then I'm just not going to keep talking about that. Anybody who's seen it, you know what I'm thinking of. Okay. <laughs> I was just thinking of Groundhog Day. <laughs> oh, geez. I'm Bill yeah. Murray right now. Yeah, that's a good call. Oh, shoot, I forgot to send. So on Groundhog Day, I texted my my whole family uh, just a happy Groundhog Day and then a picture of Bill Murray with the groundhog. And then I was going to send it to them multiple times throughout the day. But unfortunately, like my connection was being weird and like I, I wasn't able to. So then finally I did it the next day and I forgot to do it today. So, well, there's that streak. That's oh, over. Well. Oh, <laughs> oh, well. well. Did you know that the groundhog is Bill Murray's patron? Oh, yeah. That kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In fact. Yeah, it gives him, gives him the powers until he, he uh, double crossed and broke the deal. Yeah, exactly. That totally makes sense, actually. Wow that movie just became so much better. I know, right? And with that, we'll just slide <laughs> right in to talking about Warlocks. And to, to start with, we might as well start talking about patrons since that's apparently what we do. Um, yeah. Patrons are, are really interesting because it's, it's a very Warlock-specific uh, trait. And some people might compare it to the deities of a cleric. And... In some ways, uh, yeah, you could you could probably make that comparison um, at least at least partially, but it's a kind very of. different relationship. Yeah, um, and the types are much more varied. Yeah, and that's one of the the crazy things that, especially as a DM, that you're going to have a lot of fun with. So if you do have clerics and they do, you know, communicate with with their their god, you know, you get to do a little bit of role playing, you know, be this benevolent or you know, vengeful being, you know, however you kind of want to you know go about it. But the thing about patrons is is that there are so many different types and so many different things that you can be as a patron, and it, the the difference. I mean, we'll, we'll get into it more, but like the different uh, quote unquote subclasses for, for a warlock give you options. And within those, you can really play around with them a whole lot in, you know, whatever you want to uh, kind of experience as a player being a warlock. Oh yeah. Um, they range anywhere from like <laughs> old gods to <laughs> like uh, benevolent sea creatures to, mm-hmm. um, genies which yeah. is super cool that's that's something something fairly recent uh to fiends of of some sort basically most of the time beings that are sub god level mm-hmm. of power um 
that will grant the individual power of, of some sort. Um, and some of that fantasy plays into what particular subclass you do. And uh, warlocks are fairly unique in that uh, they're one of the very few classes that get to basically pick their subclass right away at level one. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's one of those things where normally, and it, it, a lot of it just depends on your DM and how you play it, but normally a warlock patron will be a little more, I guess, I guess the word would be present yeah, than, that's a, good than one. A, a, a cleric deity might be. Mm-hmm, exactly. Because, see, here's the thing. When it comes to patrons, um, you make a deal with them. What that deal is, you may not even know. Maybe you do. Maybe you were tricked into it. Maybe this was something that you approached them with. Um, There's always some sort of mutual relationship going on here, whether that's actually benevolent or not. And that's one of the really fun things about uh, being a, a warlock. And again, like I said, for the DM, for you to really kind of work that out and flesh that out and figure out what the best way to do it. Like my patron right now is a cat, which you might be able to hear. She's controlling everything that's happening with the podcasting because I didn't fulfill my deal of feeding her. (laughs) What an apt metaphor. (laughs) I definitely pay, uh, pay homage to uh, my cat patrons. At times <laughs> you have to you really do yeah, i mean sometimes if, if food doesn't work a laser pointer might you know you never know <laughs> yeah i know it's it's one of those things but yeah no it's and so as as a dm from a dm perspective play around with that have fun with that um you can make that patron's presence felt a lot more if you want um you can interwork that deal whether known or unknown into the story and give not maybe not necessarily the party a story, although sometimes it can jump into mm-hmm. <laughs> or evolve into the party having to deal with something that the warlock specifically is doing. But uh, as a personal story, it can allow for a lot of uh, growth. It can allow for a lot of revealing moments. It can allow for a lot of uh, maybe uh, even push and pull uh, a buddy of mine who's playing a warlock right now uh, like a fathomless is that what mm-hmm. it's called yeah the fathomless yeah fathomless yeah and so his his whole backstory was his just a kind of a, a simple fisherman that ended up making a deal with this water-based entity that he didn't fully comprehend and so now his patron basically takes over his body every once in a while to do things. Okay. And that's so cool. it's, so it's like, it's, it's, it's like Do- Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde type type situation. And so that's, that's been a super cool thing. Um, but the player plays the patron and the character, Ooh. which is another really unique kind of way of going about it. Yeah, and well, that's one way that you can play out two different characters in a campaign too, you know? You always have fun with that. Um, For an example, the warlock that I had in my campaign, uh, my player, uh, he kind of came out to me and said, hey, I'm thinking of going great old one, but 
I don't want to know the, the terms. I don't want to know the deal. In fact, I want to have amnesia up to the point of where I, you know, decided that this was my patron. So I'm like, okay. And I kind of ended up building a whole lot of story. In fact, a whole lot of the first arc of my campaign just around this, this concept. And it grew into something that, you know, there, there was a lot going on behind the scenes. I was able to, to hint at things. And in fact, it's because of this relationship that uh, when my players met up with an old god, which will, or a demigod, which we'll talk about later in the, in the campaign, they were able to actually defeat him because of these, these seeds that were placed very early in the campaign. And just having access to, you know, some of the different um, abilities that like the great old one pact has made things just very interesting and, and turned this, this really unassuming halfling into a, an insanely creepy character who just, you know, was kind of, you know, meaning well and, and doing what he was being told by this, you know, benevolent master of his. It was amazing to see him play out. Yeah, and I mean, I, I even have that that type of story from from my own campaign. Uh, my my ranger in my in my first campaign, uh, he was just going along doing his ranger thing until he found this cursed bow, and it turned out there's this fiend locked in it, and he used it enough, killed enough people with it that the fiend basically got enough power to break free of the bow itself, um, and he ended up making this deal with it because their goals basically aligned Mm -hmm. and so he started taking levels in warlock and so and this this entity which could have been nothing grew in power enough to bestow power upon him and then eventually be broken free of of its of its imprisonment so yeah super super fun to see to see those types of things play out Exactly. Not necessarily just just for multi-class, but that's the type of thing you can do in general with a warlock. Yeah, and you know the best thing is, is that this probably has one of the most ranges of options. So you know, like, like we said, we talked about the the types of different patrons, but at the same time, you know, we we kind of touched on a little bit before, but you know, you could have someone who's completely benevolent who wants your character to succeed and become the best you know, that they ever could, whether it's for their own ambition or not, you could have them, you know, having that, that pact be something that they were tricked into by like really tricky wording on a contract or something. Um, gosh, a, a genie one, hands down, really interesting. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Cool stuff that could go totally. With I really want to make a genie warlock at some point. Oh yeah, definitely. But I mean, because of all your different options, and just the the fun stuff that you can have with this um warlock is it's an interesting class but there are a couple things that i think we definitely need to point out that some people find not as much fun and that is the fact that a, a warlock does have very limited uh like spell slots they're a casting class but very limited spells yeah and it's interesting so um Warlocks, warlocks are a short rest based class. Um, and they, they share this with like monks and, and sometimes fighters and, and such. 
where they get a lot of their resources back when you short rest. So just kind of keep that in mind for the type of campaign you're playing and the type of DM you have to see if those types of things are going to be things that you can do on a regular basis or if it's uh, a campaign that's just like, I don't really run a lot of short rests or whatever. It, it's, mm-hmm. it's certainly a consideration to take in mind. You, you start off with only two spell slots and you, you'll get a few more as you level up. No, actually, start off with one spell slot. Start off, sorry, start off with yeah, one spell You know, spell two slot. spells though. Uh, second level, sorry. Second level is when you get two and you keep mm-hmm. two for quite a while. Um, and you eventually end up at level 20 if you make it there with four. Yeah. <laughs> and so the cool thing about these spell slots that's different than, say, a wizard or sorcerer is these spell slots scale. Mm-hmm. And so as you level up to level, you'll get the, these spell slots will become level two, level three, level four, level five. And your spells will automatically be cast at those levels. So that's, that's kind of a, a cool concession. Um, some Warlocks subclasses too have um, abilities that will modify their cantrips mm-hmm. and make them more interesting or make them do additional effects, which uh, they can be a, a very cantrip heavy class and you can get a lot of mileage with cantrips out of them. Um, but beyond that, they are a fairly versatile class from a just mechanic perspective because you've got a little bit of spell casting, you've got some cantrips, and then depending on the patron you go with and the style you want, they can be a ranged or melee class as well. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Like talking about the cantrips, um, at second level, you get these uh, Eldritch Invocations, which enhance, uh, you know, different abilities and give you different uh, things. One of the, probably one of the most popular ones, and definitely one of the most popular cantrips that I know that Warlocks take is, is Eldritch Blast. And at level five, you get to shoot two at, at, you know, per attack. At level, what, 11, you get three, four at 17. But, um, like... If you do Agonizing Blast, that's one of your Eldritch Invocations that you can get like right away, you add your Charisma modifier to the damage it deals. So you get that extra boost right there. So, you know, if you hit with all three beams at level 11, that's a bit of extra damage as well with your Charisma modifier added on top of that. You know, that's a potential extra 15 damage if you're maxed on Charisma and you hit all three. So you get little bits that are boosted here and there. But the fact that you have the versatility of having those spell slots mixed in with like some melee combat is a lot of fun. And again, adds to the versatility of the class. So you just really need to make sure that when you are going in and picking what you, you uh, choose for your different levels and how you're going to be playing, just again, like we've said, be very mindful of what your expectations are of how you're going to play and be prepared for being extremely frustrated that you want to cast a spell, but you don't have a spell slot right now. Yep. Got to make sure you rest. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, Those you run rest. around and kill things with the sword as much as you want. Like the hex blade is a really fun uh, patron. Yep, kind of very choose. popular one. Yeah. There's, there's, there's I mean, who, who really doesn't cool want the fantasy of just like summoning a weapon mm-hmm. to your side? And that's that is that is a super cool fantasy and has a lot of fun roleplay impl- implications as well. Oh no, we're in a jail cell. 
<laughs> ah, I have a sword that you cannot take from exactly. me. Exactly. Oh, we're going into a fancy party and can't bring our weapons. I don't have one. <laughs> uh, yeah, the guards there's, there's, always wonder why you laugh when you walk into places where you're not supposed to have weapons. <laughs> that's right. It's uh, it it is it is a very fun. It is a very versatile class. You get a D8 hit die, so you're not you're not the uh, sturdiest class in the world. You don't want to stay necessarily in melee the yeah. whole time. It's not quite the I'm a wizard. I got a D6. I am all squish and and all boom, basically, <laughs> type thing. Uh, not not quite the the fighter barbarian level, but it's it's still it's enough. Um, and you can wear armor, so mm-hmm. uh, you can actually be fairly defensive. And some of the patrons will lean more towards a melee heavy keep you safe in the front lines versus some will be more a i'm gonna just you know shoot my eldritch blast or my spells or whatever from the back exactly yeah so who'd have thought versatility with a uh with an otherworldly buddy on your side Lots and the buddy might not even like you that much yeah might be using you for its own ends and you know yeah. eventually destroy the world but you know it's up to you to help them out yeah yeah <laughs> But yeah, if you haven't tried a warlock, try it. They're they're super fun. Uh, they're very versatile, not just in class based mechanics, but in uh, subclass, the types of patrons and the the different things you can do. Like like we were talking about earlier, the the genie, which is a fairly new one, I believe. What Tasha's? I think so. Might it might be Tasha's. Right. Um, the the unearthed arcana for it has been out for a little while, but um that's a super cool one like you get like your your genie bottle that you can jump into <laughs> and and stuff like that super super cool very unique um so yeah definitely check out uh the warlock class if you're looking to make a new character yeah and speaking of that maybe you could make a dragonborn warlock ben what why would i do that what is this dragonborn you speak of well, good question. <laughs> Dragonborn are a race. And what? they're one of, the, one of the racial options that you can pick to make your character. Oh my. I know. That is amazing. They're super cool because there's a bunch of different colors of them. In fact, <laughs> Dragonborn are mainly based off of metallic and chromatic. So you mm-hmm. can have your silver Dragonborn, your gold Dragonborn, your black, your white, your red, your green, your blue, your brass and bronze and copper. And then... If you want more, you can have a purple dragonborn or a brown dragonborn yeah. or a or a amethyst dragonborn. Yeah, pretty like, much whatever you want. I love the idea of gemstone dragons. Not gonna lie, uh, they. I believe it was um, MCDM, uh, Matt Colville's thing in their Strongholds and Followers supplement, five E supplement they released, where they did. Uh, a whole set of gemstone dragons and they they talked hmm. about gemstone dragonborn so you got like ruby and sapphire and amethyst oh that's and cool like that. so yeah i like there's there's a lot of you know just the the chromatic and metallic ones are kind of your baseline standard ones that you'll you'll find in in the books but there's a lot of cool variations you can do with with this types of thing type of thing and 
we won't necessarily get into like stats and stuff because especially with Tasha's coming out, a lot of that stuff can be fluid mm -hmm. so that you can create your character a little more based on what you want to create your character for rather than having to pick a certain race that is optimized stats wise for yeah. it, which I, I honestly, I love that. That's, that's been a, a huge huge boon to the variety of characters definitely um that i've been able to make and not feel like i'm um hurting quote unquote hurting myself as far as stats go right and so that's that's been a, a really cool thing but one of the the really unique thing about dragonborn is they all get a breath weapon yes which is super cool <laughs> and that breath weapon is based upon the type of of dragon lineage that they're from. So a red dragonborn may get this cone of fire breath weapon or a, a copper dragonborn may get this like line of acid that they can shoot. But uh, that's, that's a very unique thing. Mm -hmm. That's just a, a racial trait that comes with making a dragonborn. Exactly. And one of the neat things too, is that when you start looking at a dragonborn, you, you know that there's dragon lineage somewhere in your past. And this is where it can actually be a lot of fun to play around with. Um, for the most part, uh, from what I recall anyway, dragonborns are essentially, they come out of eggs, but there is always the possibility that you just might have some dragonborn blood in your past somewhere. And I mean, who says that you can't be a dragonborn with like normal human parents or something along those lines, or maybe halfling parents. And you just happen to be a little itty bitty dragonborn. You know, you don't have to be the, the stereotypical tall version. And I'm not saying you're a kobold, you're a dragonborn, just tiny. Um, but the idea behind it is that, you know, at some point dragons, you know, essence or so was mixed with humanoid to make like kind of, what was supposedly like the the perfect mixture of that because you had the 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 scales the 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 breath weapon everything that goes along with a dragon but you know shrunken down to humanoid size and that's one of the things that is really cool about it is that if you want to play a dragon but you know you don't have a dm who says okay well you can be a power down polymorph one or something like that like i know some people might have a dm who lets them do that um i do have a dragon boy that i i know <laughs> um but this is kind of an, the next best thing um now there are a couple different variations of the actual like species if you will um there's the 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 regular dragon kin which is the you know the dungeons and dragons kind of like go-to that they have they don't have wings or a tail um, but with the Explorer's Guide to Wildmount being added in, you've got Matt Mercer's version, which are the, the Revenites and the, um, shoot, what is it, the Dracoborn? Uh, yeah, the, the, the Drakenblood Dragonborn. So the difference in that is tails versus no tails. Um, the the uh, Drakenblood, I'm going to mix that up for the rest of the episode apparently. <laughs> um, they used to be kind of like the overlords over the Revenites and it was a, a class system, but the Revenites you know, broke out of that and there's excellent storytelling stuff that goes along with that if you listen to the first campaign of Critical Role. There's some really neat stuff. Um, so you have a couple different, you know, options to kind of choose from. But again, there are different, uh, you know, optional stat blocks that you can go with as well. So if, if you're looking for a dragon that has a tail or doesn't have a tail, you've got options there. 
um, with different kind of histories involved depending on settings. And of course, you know, if you're like us, you just want Dragonborn in your campaign. Who cares where they're from? They're just there. So, yeah, my main track. city has a whole district. Very cool. Dragonborn. Yeah, there's there's some in my Temple of Bahamut, but not a whole ton in the in the game so far. Yeah, Dragon Dragonborn are are, are very a very cool lineage. I guess would would be a would be mm-hmm. a really good word for it, um, and you can do a lot of really fun stuff. Well, I mean, one of the most popular D and D Dragonborn characters is probably Archon the Cruel. Oh yeah, who Joe Manganiello plays. He plays it. He's been playing it that character for a long time. He played it on Critical Role in season one, and it's a Red Dragonborn. Such an amazing thing that he did. Yeah, yeah, Paladin <laughs> Paladin of Tiamat. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so or Oathbreaker Paladin Tiamat. So cool stuff like that. I've I've played in a campaign before where someone played a gold dragonborn paladin of Bahamut, mm-hmm. which was which was super cool. Um but it, it's it's a very uh it's a very imposing imposing race, uh very like powerful type race. Um and if you wanna play that like I'm a dragon fantasy type thing. This is yeah. from a, from a rules as written standpoint, this is as close as you're going to get. Exactly. Now, one of the things to kind of keep in mind, at least, uh, you know, again, when you uh, create a character, all of this is up in the air. You can decide, you know, what you want to play, how you want to play it and, and all that. But the kind of idea behind Dragonborn is that they're a very proud and honorable people. Um, they are very duty bound. Um, they have a whole clan structure. It's the idea of, you know, everybody kind of puts in their part. Uh, they're always striving to be best, not like the best as in like, aha, I'm better than you all the time, but like for, for, you know, be the best version of themselves that they possibly can be. It's something that, that they strive for. Uh, in fact, there's a lot of times that, you know, Dragonborns can really find, you know, common ground with some of the other races and, and characters who are also really seeking to in, just improve themselves and, and push for that kind of better version. And because of this, um, Dragonborn usually kind of look to their own kind first if they do need some sort of help. Like they're not so honor bound that they can't ask for help. Like they, it, it's not the honorable thing to do of, only I can do this. I've said I would. It's they understand limitations. And when they do need that, they call for other help, but they're going to go to other dragonborn first. It's not like a xenophobic thing. It's just a, you know, we can take care of ourselves. We're self-sufficient. We take, but we also take care of our own. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it's, it's a really interesting kind of dynamic to kind of play in. And if you do bring it into your game, you kind of have to look at, you know, why you as a dragonborn might be out adventuring with, you know, uh, some elves and a halfling and a goblin, you know, um, why are you there? Well, how come you're not with another dragonborn party? Are you, you know, exiled? Is there something that happened with that? Um, are you learning about the rest of the world for your clan? Um, you know, plenty of different things. Are you a wizard who's looking for more knowledge to, to again, to be better, to, to learn and, you know, be a, an example of wizarding or something. You know, there's my favorite uh, excuse. Are you a mercenary? <laughs> yeah, there's that too, <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah, so, 
you know, um, talk with your DM about, you know, the role of Dragonborn, kind of, you know, how they fit into the world and kind of go from there and, and figure out why, you know, not just who, but why. It, it matters a lot with this character. Yeah, for sure. And honestly, that's something you could apply to all your characters. Yeah, definitely. It, it, certainly, it certainly helps. And I, I say this kind of as, a, as someone who's had a, a campaign wrap up recently, just partially from DM burnout and partially not, not on my part, but a different, a different DMs campaign. This is the one my dragon boy was in sadly. Oh, I'm sorry. I know I don't get to play him anymore. He will live on in my world. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty well, much all my characters that I make that play and end in other campaigns end up in my world in, <laughs> in some, in some shape or form, which is, is fun for me. Good call. But, but, uh, it's, it's one of those things where having, asking those questions, especially at the beginning and making sure you have that, that solid foundation of why, not just who, will benefit you immensely. Because it, in, it's one of those things that sometimes you find out through an experience. Sometimes you find out because you're a first time DM, first campaign you made. There's, there's a lot of pitfalls a lot of mistakes and um, that's probably an episode we'll cover here sometime soon, like common pitfalls, uh, brand new, brand new DMS. Cause it's, it's one of those things. Sometimes if we've been playing for a while, we forget that there are new people who have never done this before. Mm -hmm. And it's, I think it's always completely worthwhile to take time and try and put yourself back into that mindset of, man, let's just sit back and go, what have I learned? What are, if I could do it over, what are some pitfalls that I would try and avoid? Um, yeah. That type of thing. And in this case, it was party cohesion. There weren't, there weren't enough people or there wasn't enough of the why. There was a lot of the individual, this is who I am and this is my story, but not the how does this fit into the bigger picture? How do I form these relationships and how do I get everyone to care? Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I mean, even in my campaign, that's something that, well, I mean, it started as a one shot. So that wasn't really in something that we talked about or thought of or anything along those lines. And luckily, you know, they've spent, gosh, two, three months in game time together or something. And, you know, we've got a, a, nice break coming up for them soon too. So they've been able to get to know each other and really learn about each other, trust each other. So that they're, you know, kind of a group that, that works well together. And there are times where I'm kind of like, okay, is the wow fully there or is the why fully there? The wow. Yeah, I think the wow is there. There's it's always fun. a wow. There's <laughs> um, always the wow. Yeah. Is the why fully there? And I think that, there is a good cohesion in a lot of it or in between a lot of the characters. So I'm really happy about that. And sometimes like how it happened with mine, it takes time for that to actually grow and happen because they all met at a bar, you know, you know, sometimes that common adventuring can kind of pull them together. Sometimes it's hard to force it. Exactly. And even more so, sometimes you don't even know why you would until you really get to understand the character. Like in plus five to hit uh, my character, I obviously know why I'm where I am 
but to maintain and continue on and move forward with everything, I had to figure out for myself, why would I continue to do this? And while, I mean, just kind of to get a little bit behind the curtain here, my character is definitely, you know, has a brave face of this is exactly why he's there and doing everything. But behind the scenes, he is terrified and wants to run away. Gasp! I know, but here's the thing. It's like, no, he's here to do this thing. That's what he's going to do. And he's going to follow through. And and uh, he needs these people in order to do it because he can't do it alone because he's terrified and wants to run away. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. You, you, yeah. You find that stuff sometimes, you know, after a few sessions. Oh, yeah. And it's it's definitely one of the, especially as you're starting out, and I know we've kind of moved away from Dragonborn oh, yeah. a little bit. <laughs> Dragonborn <laughs> are great. Yeah, Dragonborn, Dragonborn are great. Make sure you have a why. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, just it's it's one of those things is if you're starting starting that new campaign up, make sure that everyone has a why. Mm-hmm. And if you if you can and it works well, make sure that there's not only an individual why, but a group why. Yeah. As well. Um, it will help out a lot because that can sometimes then last until you get to the point where that group Y may not exist anymore, but the group now cares about each other enough that they don't need it anymore. And they will help out the individual wise. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, nothing I think really illustrates that more than and i I mean we're referencing it a couple times tonight but critical role um the briarwood campaign there is definitely an individual why in there but the rest of the group is so cohesive that it's automatically just they they have adventured long enough they care about each other enough and they have done group stuff that they all cared about for one reason or another because Mm -hmm. money or you know whatnot and they now care about each other enough that when something comes up for this particular character where they say, I need to deal with this, the group is like, okay, we got yeah. your back. Exactly. I mean, in just, in, uh, you know, like in real life, you know, the, the people who, if you say, Hey, I need to go bury this body. Who's going to go with you. Who's going to rat you out. And who's just going to be super lazy and be like, Oh, maybe next time. Don't go burying bodies. Just like in real life. Yeah, exactly. I was talking about real life. crickets <laughs> and that's that's dragonborn guys yeah exactly. <laughs> well, they that's will help you they will help you bury a body <laughs> they're, they're very they're very cohesive <laughs> um, so moving on a little bit um just as a little mini supplemental talking point we talk about critical role a lot because mm-hmm. honestly we both really like it and it's it's a phenomena it's big yes. and it's it is one of the first things a lot of D players see honestly mm-hmm. it has introduced a ton of people to the to the game itself but that is not all the awesome D content that's out there oh, so i wanted to take just a few minutes and share some of the personal D content that we like to take in as well to supplement that is not critical role mm-hmm. 
Um, so Ben, why don't, why don't you share, share a little bit of your stuff first? Okay. So I'm not too far into it just because I don't have a whole ton of time to sink into a lot of different things to, you know, listen to or watch or whatever. But um, there is actually a really great show you can find on YouTube called the dungeon run. Um, now it is a, I, I, first of all, there is a podcast version, I believe, but you definitely want to catch it on YouTube because the visuals on this are so needed because when it's the dungeon run, I mean, you need to see these models and 3d pieces that are put together for the players to kind of experience and, and, and go through. And, you know, it's not full 100%. Oh, you know, we're, we're just running dungeons the whole time. I mean, yes, they do play into it, but there's some great story in it. Um, the DM is Jeff Kanata. He has done some amazing storytelling. The cast is just diverse and fun like i love all the characters i'm only on like episode like six maybe seven or so and i mean i already have some favorites like ugo is just one of my favorite people he's i believe an orc and he's just not the brightest but he has the biggest heart out of anybody there uh there's uh, uh fahima which I always say her name kind of wrong. She's, uh, I think, a Genasi, uh, maybe wizard or so. Like, she's amazing. Like, everybody is just, it's a lot of fun. I really recommend it. And, like, when I say you need to see this, like, very shortly into the series, like, maybe episode three or something like that, they get to this this fallen star that's this tower, and inside is this... Um, uh shoot what are they like uh, inside of this titan and it's this like five story level tower that they're you know moving around in and stuff and it's just amazing and the the story is great the characters are great the dungeon run check it out i really recommend it it's a lot of fun good stuff awesome i'm gonna have to check that one i've seen it before but i i haven't partaken yet so that recommendation makes me oh yeah i think you really like it i mean i probably would just for the set design alone it's like holy crap this is amazing but then on top of that yeah it's it's just a lot of fun like i said the the characters are really great and speaking of set design (laughs) that is one of the strengths of uh of my shout out and it my shout out has to be and will always be dimension 20 dimension 20 is the is it's on dropout, but it's also on their YouTube. Um, and it's the brainchild of Brendan Lee Mulligan. Mm-hmm. And it is the most unique, creative D&D 5E that I have seen so far. It is absolutely incredible. They, they, work, on, they work in seasons and they work in shorts. So there's like six or seven seasons of Dimension 20. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the most of the main seasons have the same cast, but then the little side uh, outshoots they do, the little mini series, bring in other people. So they have like uh, a few like six episode things: uh, Pirates of Leviathan, uh, Escape from Blood Keep, um, I believe is is what it is. Uh, Tiny Heist, which brings in the McElroys uh, and a few other uh, college humor people, and they. They're all tiny people and toys <laughs> and stuff going on this like Ocean's Eleven style thing over <laughs> six episodes. And it's, it's absolutely incredible. And they do amazing set design, except for the last 
season or two, um, which has been pandemic fueled. And so uh, it's, it's uh, had to be taken online, but uh, it's, it's incredibly unique, incredibly varied. Uh, the very first season is called fantasy high. It's basically, it's, it's all five E very homebrewed. And it's basically a bunch of high schoolers in fantasy land dealing with cool. high school stuff. And it's absolutely incredible. And then there's, there's one called the, the unsleeping city, which is basically real life, New York, but then there's a whole magical world hidden behind the veil within it. Hmm. And, and so it's, uh, they, they've got two seasons of fantasy high out uh, freshman and sophomore year. They're, they're currently live on Wednesdays, I believe working through season two of the unsleeping city. Um, and they did, they did uh, another single season of uh, one called a crown of candy where <laughs> it's basically Candyland D and D. Oh, that's uh, cool. Absolutely, absolutely incredible. I cannot recommend the series highly enough. If you're looking for, um, if you're looking for a DM who will really inspire you, Brennan is. I have learned so much from from watching him. He mm-hmm. is he is one of the best. Like, yes, and or you know, yes. <laughs> type DMs <laughs> that, that I've ever seen and his his improbability is just absolutely incredible. And the cast is is wonderful, works together wonderfully. Uh and in and, and a lot of times they tackle surprisingly uh serious situations. Um they tackle a lot of real life stuff uh and it's very relatable and they do it in a very um a very inclusive and uh, a way that takes care of the material. And so uh, if, you, if you haven't checked it out before and are looking, each season is you know, anywhere from 15 to 20, 20 episodes of two or three hours. They keep them fairly succinct as, as far as time goes. So definitely check it out, especially if you're looking for something a little different than the ordinary. So I... I remembered something that I have to throw out there as well. Another series, but it's six episodes long. So super easily digestible. Do it. But did you ever watch relics and rarities? Yes. Yes. Incredible, incredible short series. I wish they did more seasons of it. I hope they still do. Me too. Um, Okay. So relics and rarities. It's, um, uh, I mean, the, the production value on this is absolutely amazing. The the idea is, is that there's the shop relics and rarities and, it's just full of relics and rarities. I, I can't really say, you know, it, like just different artifacts and everything. And um, you have the, the, the normal cast that's in every single episode. And then there's a guest every single episode as well. Um, guests like Charlie Cox, uh, Matthew Lillard, Simone Missick, uh, Kevin Smith. Uh, let's see who else. Uh, Janina Gavinkar. I probably butchered that. And uh, Sam Richardson just they they all play just a variety of characters a lot of them are brand new to D, so it's just kind of neat like the kevin smith episode alone is just him amazed at what he can do in just a game it's incredible it's a really 
I mean, it's Kevin Smith, so it's an out there episode in some of the stuff that happens. But um, Deborah Ann Wall does such an She's amazing an, job. She is an incredible DM. Oh, so much so. Incredible and DM. You want to talk about yes and she rolls with everything. Everything. And, and it the way that she pieces everything together, it looks like she knew every single step that every single person was going to take and has something in place for that. It's She's absolutely amazing. Um, it's on Geek and Sundry. I don't know if it's available anywhere else, but uh, if you get a chance, it might definitely be on check YouTube. Possibly, it might be on, yeah. might be on their YouTube. Yeah. Um, Seriously, six episodes, that's it. So good and so worth watching. Yep. Big thumbs up from me as well. Uh, all right. Uh, oh, uh, one last one. Oh, oh um, go, ahead. Sorry. go ahead. Um, there's this little show. It's uh, podcast only, though. Um, it's called Plus Five to Hit. I've heard of that. Yeah. Um, just listen to it. It's a it's a it's an actual play campaign, right? Yeah, yeah. I think, are, I think they're they're doing rhyme rhyme of the frost. Yeah, rhyme of the frost maiden, I believe. Uh, yeah, yeah. Cool, cool. Yeah, cool. yeah. Check that out. So, uh, yeah. DM's uh, weaving in some other random stuff in there too. So it's not you know pure by the book. So it's you know it's interesting. Good cast of characters. Yeah, I hear it's pretty good. Very yeah. enjoyable. Yeah, check that out. Check it out. Uh, <laughs> all this talking about actual D and D makes me want to jump to to our uh, to our thing where we talk about what we're doing in D and D. But first, real fast, because this is actually pretty big. Mm-hmm. Um, for those of you that use D and D Beyond, they just got their dice log going. So if you are a fan of the digital dice, which I know a lot of people are using the digital dice now, since they're playing online still, hopefully yep. later this year we can play in person again. But for right now, uh, a lot of people playing online, a lot of people using the digital stuff. There's actually a game log now. So you can see other people's roles. Super yeah. cool. And if you're a DM, super handy. <laughs> yeah, and we have, I have used it actually too. We have. We have used it in that, that crazy plus five to hit thing. Oh, that game? I heard yeah. that's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty decent. Yeah, I use... I. I I normally like real dice, but for that, actually, for my the entirety of plus five um, of this campaign, I've used the digital dice, and it's it's been really nice. It it works really well, and you still get that satisfying little little dice roll. Um, but now it's nice because Ro can see the the stuff on the side as it comes yeah, in. So exactly. if you're if you you didn't know about that, or if you're uh, if you use D and D Beyond a lot. It's a nice little extra feature. Uh, also, really quick, just again, we're not chilling for D&D Beyond. We're not sponsored or anything. But if you do have some sort of subscription, uh, you get a free new set of digital dice this month. It's true. They're and it's cool. really cool. Like, no pun intended. It's You don't know what it is until it's finished rolling because it's covered in ice. It's really neat. That is a, that is a fun one. Yeah. And have you one. seen what happens when you get a nat 20 on it? Yeah. It just <laughs> Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, so um, we yeah. geek out about our digital dice and our real dice. Yeah, we really do, and I buy too much of both. But yep. uh, anyway, speaking of of rolling those dice, um, Ryan, what what have you been doing in your campaign or campaigns? Uh? Oh my gosh, Ben! Oh my gosh, we we they're they're in they're in. <laughs> the middle of things now this is oh, this was it yeah. this was the the first first game back since the the break at the the end of the year uh, they have gathered their things they have gathered their allies they have made their plans they have contacted the city the army is on its way and <laughs> as hilariously 
um, the signal they worked out was the artificer shooting up a stone infused with a lime green firework. That was, oh. that's, that's the signal to, for the army to attack <laughs> okay. as they take their little strike force in and try and push through the temple square into the, the main, the main temple of, of Fultis in this, in this large city to try and figure out what the heck is going on and stop whatever it is these guys are using, sacrificing all these people for. So it was, it was a big battle. Oh yeah, I bet. <laughs> it was a, a big battle. There's, there's lots, lots of moving pieces and it was really cool because um, I did a lot of custom work for this, this particular, this particular battle. So I had the, uh, the sacrificial circles set up on the temple. The temple was being shielded basically by this energy from these, these circles. So at some point they'll have, they would need to destroy them to get into the temple. Um, the, basically the, the characters came up from the sewers behind this large fountain and right as they were preparing to, to sacrifice people for the day. So I had five sets of civilians uh, on each of these circles mm -hmm. and I had built in a mechanic for it that basically uh, as a layer action, the, uh, I would do one of three different things, which would sacrifice anywhere from one to three people to do an effect that would basically be the, the layer action just to add an, an extra level of uh, intricacy into it so that you could, they could try and save the people to reduce the ability to do these layer actions and stuff. And it was also really cool because they got to see the big undead dragon that had been raised Ooh. in the session to as extra security essentially because they'd been poking around and yeah <laughs> messing stuff up but it was also really cool because um the primary antagonist in this fight it was a very specific character in my monk's backstory oh and so this has been building for quite a while and it was revealed that this guy actually killed his best friend while he was back in the monastery and he had brought him back. So an undead thrall monk of his best friend was fighting against him during the fight. So this whole front part is shielded. And so the, the, the necromancer is basically behind the shield. And recently um, the, the monk character has this ring called the ring of the almighty. It's this like, relic passed down through through the monastery and he has recently unlocked another piece of it which lets him use the dimension door spell once a day um right at the beginning of the fight artificer shoots up the lime green firework <laughs> everything everything starts monk tries to grab the artificer and teleport <laughs> into behind the shield into straight into where the necromancer is because he's oh. he's gunning for him <laughs> artificer did not want to go <laughs> does a shrink spell on himself so that the monk grabs nothing but air steps through and he steps through alone <laughs> and he proceeds to immediately get blinded 
Oh. By the necromancer. So now he's completely at disadvantage for basically, basically everything. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, and this was right after he had brought his friend, the undead thrall monk out essentially. And then both of them just started beating up on this guy while the rest of the party is on the outside of the shield dealing with these layer actions and this undead dragon and these skeletons that are just around the square. So it was, it was almost two different battles going on, but in the exact same place. So super, super interesting. Um, the, uh, the necromancer actually ended up trying to feeble mind the monk, which would have been horrible. Oh yeah. If it had actually happened, he nat 20 saved on it and he ended up, he ended up doing what ended up being an absolutely brilliant strategy. And he patient defensed every single round Mm -hmm. and made it. And in doing that, he was able to tank essentially all the damn, I mean, he, super low by the end of this thing but yeah. he was able to survive by himself and distract another monk undead monk and this basically super caster from doing who knows what at a larger scale because of the strategy that he was doing and it was absolutely incredible to watch how it just all played out like it was so anime <laughs> like That's just cool. in my mind i'm just there's so many anime moments it like the, the undead dragon ended up flying up the um one of the allies that came in ended up being um cassie my my copper dragon uh that they've known throughout the entire campaign mm-hmm. um that is is friends with several of them now and she volunteered to help come help um she ended up going dragon form picking up the barbarian flinging him on top of the undead (laughs) dragon my artificer enlarged him so this giant half-orc barbarian on top of this flying undead dragon and he's part barbarian part paladin Divine smite crits <laughs> down onto the dragon, kills it, kills it, and rides it down like thirty or forty feet, smashing onto the ground. Nice. It was just ah, oh, there's just so many, so many absolutely incredible moments that happened. Um, and then they were able to get the circles destroyed uh, with a, some nice guiding bolts and a, and at the end a Melf's acid arrow. <laughs> from our artificer hits hits the necromancer as he's trying to escape barely escapes gets inside the temple closes the door and then <laughs> the second round of melf's acid arrow damage ticks oh. and kills him <laughs> right inside the door so they come they break the circles they break into the temples smash open the door the and i was like body right you, see the, you see the huge door hit the body and it just it just goes rolling <laughs> and i was just like oh dang it uh so dead dead necromancer now just goes still rolling. an epic end though yeah it was it uh, it was it was so satisfying the players loved it it was very satisfying for the players uh, and so it the session ended with them breaking into these two massive doors into the temple itself and that's 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 where it ended. 
So they don't, they don't know what's going on. They don't know what they'll see, but it's good stuff. Very cool. It was a lot of fun. And I know you had an experience it was very similar to that. Yeah. Well, not similar. I, I think yours was maybe more action-packed. I don't know. We'll find big, out. Big battle. But, big battle. Yeah. I mean, smaller battle, but still pretty big in in uh, scope anyways. Um, so <laughs> the, the party was working their way towards this, you know, secret entrance into the Temple of Bahamut, working their way up. And, you know, it had been like transmuted into different material around them. Like all the stuff that they they kind of been going through. It's like, it, it used to be made out of clouds because the silver dragon made the whole city and it's been transmuting slowly into like, like dark obsidian and stuff. So they're getting closer to the source. They get to a dead end and it's just a bookcase, but like the, at the other end of the hall that they came through was a portcullis. So they're like, why is there just this dead end here? So then they found out there's a secret passage. It opens up into another room, you know, just a, a little tiny room. And they're like, Oh, okay, this is cool. And then um, <laughs> our, our sorcerer, who happens to be a changeling, had changed into one of the high people in the cult, like took, took their armor, put it on, looks exact, exactly like him because changeling. So he walks out into this other room and they see four prisoners chained up against the wall who are like just out of it completely uh, you know, no energy whatsoever. Like, like they've had their life force kind of drained out of them. They're kind of as best as they can being recovered at the moment. Two people sleeping on the floor and then two people like at a table playing cards. And then, so one of them turns around, sees who it is and is like, oh, you found the secret passage because they've infiltrated this temple. They've heard of a secret passage. No idea what's going on. So they're just like, okay, cool. You found it. Awesome. That You know, not thinking anything about this. So then... He walks up. He's like, okay, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a bit uh, tuckered out. I'm going to rest over here too while the four of you rest, kind of yelling back into the room so that everybody in there knew how many people were, were in there, four people. So they take a surprise round because they're in this other room. They all just bust in and the bard does pyrotechnics right next to the people who are sleeping who wake up. One of them saves. The other gets blinded. Um, but long story short, the two at the table died super fast. The one who wasn't blinded died super fast. The one who was blinded got a turn, but stood up, was blind, was swinging and just running because he didn't know what was going on. That's a big old run around and fell down. <laughs> I mean, I'm just like, he doesn't know. There's loud stuff going on. In fact, our rogue actually Poor on guy. surprised her. She ran in, grabbed their things and kept running past them. So their stuff wasn't even there. So I'm just like, oh, this is great. So he died pretty fast too. And then they were trying to figure out, okay, like, well, what's in the next room? We're not sure. Let's go ahead and take, you know, uh, release these prisoners. We're going to put them in the room that we just came from, close the door, make sure that no one, you know, can backtrack and, and, and do that so that they're safe. So they can at least rest and maybe, you know, get better and stuff. So they open up the door and it's the room where the demigod is being summoned. So this, this big Cthulhu looking thing is, is there partially formed. And uh, a, so in kind of the four corners of the room, there is, the, okay, not in the corners, but like kind of in our four pillars, there's on the far end, some stairs going up. And in each of the corners is a, 
one of the the Bahamut priests lying down, incapacitated on the ground, and a cultist like channeling energy from the priest towards the the demigod. The demigod's got a shield around it, just like the one that's outside the temple. And so they're all like, "Okay, we're we got to figure out what we're doing with this." Before going in there, the bard already told the the um, or. Sorry, I know I'm kind of backtracking a little. So they got the information from the cultists in that room that the prisoners were being used, their, their energy was being drained to feed into the demigod to make it full because of the five orbs that were collected to do the summoning, only four of them actually had the energy that they needed where the fifth one didn't. So they're you know basically draining, healing those people back up, draining them again, healing them back up so that they can you know, complete their summon. So Bard said to our cleric, I'm not going to let them be batteries. So they walk oh, into that's the so room. nice of them. Well, <laughs> so. Did, did, did yours do what one of my auxiliary, auxiliary characters did to some of the uh, people who were about to be sacrificed? Well, that's my guess. Um, so anyways, yeah. so the paladin goes running in, doing her whole charging, I'm going to kill stuff thing. Attacks one to the, the cultists. Um, doesn't kill it, but, you know, they're up. Um, oh, also, sorry, I forgot to mention, tied or chained to the pillars are zombies that they're not affected or they're not going after the cultists, but they're there to make sure that if you get too close to the demigod, you're going to be attacked by zombies too. So there's a lot going on in there. Um, so anyways, Palin goes and starts attacking one of the cultists. The rogue goes in, grabs one of the, the priests who's being drained, pulls it back around a corner thinking line of sight will break the spell. It didn't because the, that cultist just tapped in and, you know, sucking that energy out. So then the bard takes her sword, shink, just right down in, kills the priest. Which, the bard did this? The bard did this. Oh my. <laughs> to, to, and that beam of energy just stopped instantly. The demigod was pissed, threw a fireball over there, uh, hitting the, the zombie by him, the cultist, as well as most of the party, destroyed a pillar, uh, destroyed some walls. Uh, so they all took a bunch of, of, of damage there, and we really got into it there was a lot of them trying to figure out how to stop the, you know, the channeling from going on um, because, you know, that's what's actually creating the shield and, and, and helping this, this demigod, the paladins taking care of occultists, you know, getting rid of that, but she's taken so much damage at this point. She's nearly dead. Everybody's hurting. The cleric runs out into the fray to heal the paladin and his God-given mace awakens. Sends out a pulse of holy energy, which negates the casting of the other two cultists who are still alive up on the stairs and the shield drops. So he, when it awakened it, um, this is something that I, I, you know, uh, hand created and everything gave it to him originally it was just something specific for his god that they found in in this this temple or the uh, sorry a, a, a wizard's tower and yeah, yeah. It, it's totally tied to his god it's it's one of these relics that's been lost from this ancient war and 
it's like if if you're the chosen of Coralon, you can you know use the light cantrip on this just whenever you want. You can make it glow, and he's able to do that. So as it awakened, it also gave him the the ability to cast cure wounds at a ten foot range, and mm-hmm. he can cast revivify once per like I think I made it a week without any spell components and without using a spell slot because oh. it's it's the mace of the life giver. So yeah, yeah, gives life. So anyways, it activates, breaks down the shield, and it was on. So everybody just kind of starts attacking, does what they can. Um, our artificer has found like the one safe spot where he's completely out of line of sight, and he just, on his turn, steps in, shoots, steps back. Steps in, shoots, steps back. Like, that's all he does. Um, you know, the, the paladin's doing what she can to, to, to do stuff. Everybody's doing amazing damage around. They try to kill the remaining cultists who are trying to jumpstart that spell back up. Um, the, the demigods throwing spells out left and right. It's using legendary actions to cast all these spells. It does bones of the earth to block in and, and break line of sight from the cultists so that they have to run up to the stairs to attack them and like all the stuff that's love going it, on. Love it. And then the bard sends me an instant message. I'm like, okay, take a look. Hey, have I seen one of these in my travels? Roll a survival for me. She rolls. Gets like a 22 or something. Like, probably, because the the journey that you took would take you through here, which is where those things are. So she's like, okay. Her turn comes up. She says, I'm going to cast Polymorph on myself and become a (laughs) T-Rex. So I said, one second, and I ran and grabbed my T-Rex minifigure. Yes. <laughs> brought it out. Yes. Stuck it on the board, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, it's on now. So I was super excited by this. So she runs up um, and is in position to attack next turn. Then the sorcerer pops out and casts Banish. And see, here's the thing. This demigod has been locked in a prison in the abyss for thousands of years. It's trying to escape. Its home isn't the abyss. So when you cast Banish on it, it went back to its home in Mount Celestia. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, is I played my hand a little too well because the demigod didn't use a legendary resistance on it, knew what spell was coming at it, and started laughing. And then as it disappeared, it just yelled out, yes, which I probably shouldn't have done that. <laughs> but so then they're like, what are we going to do? Okay. I don't think, I, and you know, so they started talking like, I think that it wanted to go there. That might be bad. We should drop the banishment and then just throw everything at it when we can. And so I'm just like, okay, we're going to see how this plays out because if that happens, that's probably going to be the end of this. You know, I might get another move in there. So they all got in position. They all readied actions and everything. Drop the banishment. Poof, pops back in. They're loading in on it. And it's doing, it, it, it's hurt. So at the first opportunity that I got, I used a legendary action, did a wing buffet, or buffet. Prone. <laughs> buffet <wings. yeah. laughs> Um, Prone <laughs> like three, three people, the T-Rex included. And then uh, the paladin... Oh no! Um, sorry, I'm trying to I'm trying to remember everything that happened in the the timing on this because at this point it it was getting really low. Um, okay, then I did that's right another legendary action where I had the T Rex behind me and the Paladin in front of me 
So what I did was I had the demigod turn around thinking T-Rex bigger threat attacks it, which I should have gone for the paladin, but hindsight 2020. Yep. yep. And then uh, legendary action ice wall and just, <laughs> just totally hit itself from like the rest of the party behind an ice wall. A lot of them took a ton of damage from that. So I'm like, okay, I got a shot. They didn't know I had six health left on this thing. <laughs> <laughs> so then our rogue is like okay would you say that that they can see me i'm like oh no you're, you're totally hidden right now okay so she runs jumps out fires her crossbow kills the thing with a way over the top sneak attack oh and it was amazing it was a very long fight it i i enjoyed the hell out of it because they were very creative in what they were trying to do and there was healing spells going out all over the place. There was like real challenge to it. Like the, the session that I had before, I think I mentioned, I think I got the balancing pretty well. This one, I think I did a pretty good job on it as well too. But I mean, I could be, I, I could have made it a little harder, but like I really enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun. The, the one regret is, is that I created this ray that I only got to use once. Oh, I know. And someone saved. So they never got to see what happened. They never got to see what happened. Yeah. So it, it, it was the reorigination, right? The idea behind it is... I love this idea. Yeah. So this demigod is what... Is basically him and uh, pieces of him, because he ripped off five pieces to be like kind of... To help him create the world. So, you know, it's all about creation and destruction and, and all this stuff. So this reorig- reorigination, Ray... Basically, if you failed, I, you, I rolled 2d6, and 1 through 6 were the different stats. And whatever those two numbers were, they would swap. So, like, if you had an intelligence of 18 and a dexterity of 12, they would swap if those were the ones that came up. And I really wanted to do that, like, at some point, just to be all, like, let's see what this does to this fight. I, I was super curious about it. And the only time I got to do it was just that first turn, and I was only able to really target the, the paladin with it because everybody was staying, you know, just hidden. So I'm like, okay, we're going to use this. Did it. She passed because she's a paladin. So of course. Um, and then. Auras. Yeah, exactly. And then I wasn't able to get it to recharge for the rest of the, the, the session. I mean, in, in retrospect, I think it went maybe five rounds with one of them being banished. So I really didn't get much of a, of a shot. It did recharge, but because of the banishment, when it came back, its turn wasn't for another like three or four people. Cause then I was going to totally throw that out there. But yeah, I was such a, such a fun idea though. Such super a fun bummed. idea. Yeah. And, and it. it's one of those things that when you killed it, it would, your stats would have gone back to normal anyway. Cause I'm not going to do that. That's just mean. No, no, no. But uh, yeah, I think it would have been really interesting to see how that played out, but meh, whatever, it didn't. It happens. It's always always another time. Exactly. Always another time. Oh yeah, d- d- trust me. I like that idea so much, it's going to come back at some point. <laughs> yes, for sure. Yeah. Man, I've had some crazy sessions and mine will get, yeah. mine's going to get crazier because now they are partial resource drained. Several of them are missing some or lots of hit points and they're they're all teed up for round two so that's nice i'm a little nervous i'm a little nervous for i'm not gonna lie 
Yeah, I'm super excited for my session on Saturday for entirely different reasons. Because uh, they all leveled to 10. Because I'm like, you know what? You, you kill the demigod. You get a level from that. Yeah. Um, we're, we ended it pretty much right as, as the boss fell because it was super late. Um, so then I'm like, okay, well, we'll pick right back up here. But just heads up, there's going to be a month of just downtime. So figure out what your characters are doing. And then I've got something special for him planned for uh, when we get back. Very cool. Very so, cool. Yeah, I'm looking it's forward exciting. to telling you all about that. Yes, I, I am very much looking forward to hearing it. It's like it's like listening to an abridged podcast all yeah. throughout for the last almost 40 episodes. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> I think that's that's pretty much it for tonight. Yeah. Pretty you much. have anything else? going? Others? No, just uh, you know, figure out the why. Yeah, figure out the why. <laughs> our our uh, spontaneous third topic. Yeah, figure exactly. Why. Uh, <laughs> but uh, until next time, Ben. Before we get out of here, why don't you tell everyone where they can reach us? Of course. Um, if you're looking to tell us your stories, or you know, have some long form questions that you want to ask, definitely email us. You can send those to dndiscussions at gmail uh, if you're looking for something short form or, uh, you know, you just have like a quick uh, topic idea or something along those lines, you can always tweet at us as well. We are at DN Discussions. Uh, that's D-N Discussions, all one smooshed together thing. Um, if you're looking for me specifically on Twitter, you can find me at Ben Bumhofer. And Ryan, if they're looking for you, where can they find you? You can find me at TBK. Yes. Now, if this is the very first episode that you've ever listened to and you're like, what 40 up almost 40 episodes what's going on with that well guess what you can listen to every single episode we have ever recorded on dndiscussions.com and fun fact wherever you're listening to this right now whatever your podcast player choice is you can also listen to every single episode there because guess what they're there so check it out now here's one thing that you might not have uh picked up on before is that uh ryan and i we are in a dnd uh, DN discussions, a DND podcast. We yes, uh, <laughs> we're also in a DND podcast called Plus Five to Hit, uh, where we're currently playing through Rhyme of the Frostmaiden. Uh, in case you didn't uh, pick that up, I'm having a lot of fun. My character is uh, really scared and freaked out, but no one knows that. <laughs> it is a lot of fun. If you're looking for another actual play campaign, uh, we usually have new episodes of that every other week. So definitely check that out wherever fine podcasts are curated. Exactly. So uh, until next time, I just have to throw out there, as always, everybody, be good to each other. Take care, and we'll see you next time. Bye, everybody.